This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host. Rob Carson. I hope that you've had a good 24 hours. I think there are some very positive things happening in the world today. We're going to get a little bit into Elon Musk taking over uh, Twitter. And I just think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. I th- hopefully it is the beginning of the takedown of the speech oligarchs, the speech oligarchs in this country who have ruined lives and altered news and stolen elections and covered up criminality. And I could go on and on, but it, it appears that maybe at least there are some uh, there are some cracks in the foundation, as it were. We'll get a little bit into uh, that. Oh, oh, the subway shooter was caught. And when you hear how ham-handed the police response was and the uh, the mayor of New York City's response, you'll be like, wow, I guess I could probably work for the FBI. Uh, also, uh, Biden's approval rating tumbling, the economy uh, sucking wind, among other things. Oh, and I want to mention something. Last night, I was told we were going to uh, go to Mar-a-Lago. And I don't know a whole lot about Mar-a-Lago. I know it's the president's residence. And I was very excited about the possibility of, I, and I didn't know if I was going to meet Donald Trump or not. But last night, I got to meet Donald Trump. Now, I'm a kid from Iowa. Uh, Like so many of you, I never met a president before. (laughs) I've never met a president before. And And I've never met one of the most popular and the biggest names on the planet. And I met Donald Trump last night. And he spoke at our table for about 20 minutes. First of all, I want to tell you, the man looks fantastic. He has gotten younger. And he's uh, about 6'4". He's looking quite svelte, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about the tan and all that. He looked, he glowed. It wasn't, it wasn't like the spray tan. It wasn't on the bit of it. It wasn't the orange man bad. He just looked good. And when you see the pictures of this guy, you're going to go, how? Oh, wow. He looks really good. I think that he got out of bed every morning ready to fight, ready to fight, ready to win. And if I ever get the chance to sit down and do a long interview with him, I want to ask him, what is instilled in him that makes him want to be excellent, so excellent, 
at everything in his life. And anytime you you see people like uh, Donald Trump or other other big uh, you know. Uh, business leaders and uh, thought leaders in the uh, in the world uh you know you kind of wonder what drives them and what motivates them and and this man not only driven by excellence every day in his life you know he built a, a business empire of course he uh, got the financial assistance to start uh with his father and he got into the business and he never looked back he became a titan of industry he became a titan of media a celebrity, and then ultimately the president of the United States. What an unbelievable resume for a person, because we're all given a uh, you know a short time on this earth, and we all you know we are all going to leave a legacy. We're all going to hopefully leave some sort of mark, and maybe it's the mark of being a great dad to your kids, or a great mom to your kids, and maybe it's being a great school teacher, and maybe and 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 listen, I'm not saying that uh, uh, what Donald Trump has done is any more honorable than being a a great person raising kids or a great teacher or a great farmer but it is pretty extraordinary what he's been able to do and another thing that he's been able to do is connect with people because Donald Trump you think you would think if you if you knew Donald Trump Donald Trump lived in New York City you know Trump Hotel billionaire and all that and, and you would think he'd be the furthest thing from relatable to the average person but he gets us he gets us If you have the chance, let's say, you know, if you would have asked me a year and a half ago that I would be doing a syndicated radio program and I would do a uh, a national podcast that garners close to a million downloads a month and that I, Rob Carson from Omaha, Nebraska, via Neola, Iowa, would go to Mar-a-Lago and walk into these glorious... Uh, French, I guess, Renaissance period decorated abode and sit at a table with Mike Huckabee, who I spoke with extensively last night for an hour, Dick Morris, uh, Michael Harrison of Talkers Magazines. I sat across the table from uh, a lovely woman, uh, Chicky Woolworth, and she was fantastic. She's part of the Woolworth family and uh, an American business success, and, and had a conversation. It was, it was almost kind of like an out-of-body experience for a kid who grew up on a farm and worked in radio for 30 years, you know, 20-plus of that, writing comedy for Rush Limbaugh and doing music radio, morning radio. And to say that this happened, I, I, it's remarkable. And the president last night was standing there, and he said, he said, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rob Carson. If you don't know him, he's the funniest man on television. And he turned to me and he said, Rob, I hope you're doing well. Uh, He said, I know that your mother passed last year. And I stood up and I said, this man who meets thousands of people every day and, and has, I mean, tens of thousands of acquaintances, he's campaigning for everyone. He's dealing with the world's you know, news, and he's spoken to world leaders and all of this, and he remembers this guy, Rob Carson, who he likes to watch on television. And and I got up and I said, I want to thank you, sir, for giving your condolences and sending your condolences to me and my family. Because I'm a bug compared to the rest of the world and what's going on in the world and all of the names in the world and the problems in the world, and that he would remember meant so much to me. 
And I hope that no matter where you are in your life, if you have experienced some lows and some highs, if you're in a low right now, and many of us are because of the economy, because of the direction of the country, and we spoke a lot about this last night, about um, the direction of the country, and, and we feel like we're under assault. And all I can do is say you've got to be able to go at it as a happy warrior and fight and realize that better things are to come, but it's going to take a hell of a lot of effort. And that's what I was able to do in my life because a year and a half ago I was selling cars. And I would get up in the morning and I would put on a tuck-in shirt that I absolutely hate with a name tag and I would go in and I would sell cars and I would get berated by customers and I would do all of this. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, I would, um, I would uh, go to a job that I didn't like. And, uh, and, and some days I'd sell a car and some days I wouldn't sell a car. And, uh, and some days I'd come home and I'd say, honey, I didn't make a damn dime today. And some days I'd come home and I'd say, well, I got one. And then this happened. So I'm overwhelmed and so unbelievably honored to, to be able to do what I did last night at Mar-a-Lago and more importantly, to do what I do every day here. And this is a show in its infancy. Many of you have not been listening to this show, some only a few months, some only six months, some maybe ten months, um, a few of you a few years, depending on where you live. But this is a show that's right now just, it's building, it's growing, the momentum is growing. And, uh, and I just want to share with you, I want to take you on this journey because it's, it's pretty amazing. And I'll share more. If you want to see some pictures in Mar-a-Lago last night, I'm going to be posting them on my social media on Instagram right now, okay? So go to Instagram uh, at Rob Carson Show, and I did a little video of the living room and the entryway to this unbelievable home. Uh, you just won't believe it. You won't believe it. It's, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Big news of the day is Elon Musk attempting to buy um, Twitter. Uh, it looks like uh, forty-one billion dollars would give them the uh, he, the majority stake in the company. This is a pretty big deal. It's uh, forty-one point three nine billion dollars. Uh, an offer price of fifty-four dollars and twenty cents per share. It reps uh, represents a thirty-eight percent premium to the closing. Whatever that means, because, you know, I don't buy a whole lot of billion-dollar stuff. Uh, you know, it's, for me, it's, uh, I don't have a lot of time to focus on, but it's pretty remarkable, and I'll, I'll explain why in just a moment with regard to uh, freedom of speech in the country, because it's something that, an observation that I've made that nobody else has made. Uh, the stock is down from a 52-week high of about 73 bucks, so technically, it's a pretty good deal. Shares of Tesla down a little bit, 0.9%. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, he's worth $282 billion. And uh, Amazon uh, President uh, Jeff Bezos is, uh, is honestly, he might as well be selling pencils on a street corner because uh, he's so poor compared to Elon Musk. <laughs> this is um, what Elon Musk said. He said, I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be the platform for free speech around the globe. And I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. Last night I had a conversation with uh, someone about Elon Musk, and they were on the fence about Elon Musk, and I said that I was too. And then I started really listening to what he had to say, and then really doing some research on some of his accomplishments. And uh, he's a um, game changer for the world. He really is. 
you know, I've said that uh, Generation X is going to save the world. And I certainly don't want to discount anybody in the boomer generation, anybody in the millennial generation or Gen Z. But it is kind of interesting to see my generation. We, we haven't had a president yet. You know that. Generation X has not had a president yet. We got senators, we got CEOs, but we haven't had a president. And all the while that the, the media focuses on millennials and millennial this and millennial that, Gen X, the only, the only press we got was like in the early 90s and they called us slackers. And then we said, you know, eh, whatever, let's go ahead and just get to work. Let's, let's go to college. Let's graduate from college. Let's have kids. Let's start careers. Let's change the world quietly. And we have, and we still got a lot, uh, a lot to do. Elon Musk is a Gen Xer. He's buying a uh, a company from a bunch of millennials who are spoiled college brats who uh, wanted to bring the same ethos that they experienced in college, which was taste bases and say. And did you realize that words can be weapons, but only if they're conservative? Yeah. Words are weapons, and by the way, conservatives are all white supremacists, and you're a racist if you like Donald Trump. It is that way. This is the uh, moist dream of the class of 1968. Uh, to some degree, uh, Gen X uh, experienced some of that in college, but nothing like millennials and Gen Z are facing right now, where college is an indoctrination. College is, by and large, a liberal indoctrination, a literal tool of a political party and a uh, and a political system that has failed and left a body count of about a mi- hundred million people last century. But the class of 1968 has sat around in their faculty lounges and they've mentally masturbated about t- topics like, you know, communism really is the best form of government. It just hasn't been done right. Well, usually after a hundred million people in body pits and stuff, you go, ah, mm, mm, didn't work, didn't work, maybe we ought to throw this one out, you know? Maybe we should. Back to uh, Elon Musk. However, since making my investment, I realize the company will neither thrive nor serve this societal imperative in its current form. Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. Now, social media is an interesting thing, and it has blossomed into so much more than its original, its infancy, which literally was, it was less than 20 years ago. Uh, I got a MySpace account, <laughs> a MySpace account in like 2005. I never used it because it was so stupid, badly designed, complicated, all that nonsense. I, I got rid of it immediately. And then I got a Facebook account probably in the early aughts, like 2000, well, maybe 2006, 2007-ish, I think. And Facebook never said, we are a left-leaning organization that restricts the freedom of expression of a political ideology, that being conservatism. If they would have done that, then I would have been absolutely cool, and I wouldn't have created a platform. I wouldn't have created a profile. I wouldn't have done any of that stuff. But what Twitter and what Facebook and what even YouTube has done, they decided to let people... Uh, create followings, build followings. Originally, it started out as reconnecting with your high school uh, sweetheart or friends, then uh, taking pictures of your feet on the end of a lawn chair on a vacation, and and then it became a place where you got uh, birthday wishes instead of uh, you know e cards or or actual card. You got you got uh, you know happy birthday wishes on your timeline, and and then all of a sudden people started to kind of eh, share a little politics. You know, I like Donald Trump. Yeah, I'm a conservative. I, you know, whatever. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. 
I was part of a conservative network of 29 Facebook pages, 19 million followers, and a gentleman named Terry Littlepage who paid over $250,000 of his own money to promote and to build that following. So $250,000. You forget that Facebook is a commercial money-making enterprise, okay? Uh, And Facebook decided on October 31st of 2018 to get rid of all of those pages. They just disappeared, along with around 810 other largely conservative sites. And people like me, on November the 4th, 2020, my Facebook page with the largest following before I could post anything the day after the election, disappeared. They also keep me from being able to boost posts and spend money to reach people on Facebook. So that's one of the vicious, cruel, communistic things that these organizations do. And listen, we're not asking for much of Twitter. We just want fairness. We want to know why there are violent people on Twitter, violent organizations like Black Lives Matter, and yet Donald Trump, who said, go to the Capitol peacefully, and was acquitted of any kind of wrongdoing with regard to the January the 6th protests, he was banned from Twitter. Purely political. And, and sometimes what Twitter does is they, they blame it on the algorithm. Yeah, they are algorithm. Bull crap. Once you get on their radar with reach, and they realize you're conservative, they watch everything you do, and it's not an algorithm. If it were an algorithm, then all the people at Twitter who are threatening to jump ship wouldn't be so butthurt about a, uh, a conservative or at least somebody who is a free speech advocate becoming the CEO, becoming the majority stakeholder. This morning on uh, Newsmax, Mike Carter, financial expert, talked about uh, the uh, the potential takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk. Hey, good morning, guys. Well, that's right. Elon Musk officially making a best and final offer to buy Twitter, Inc., saying the company has extraordinary potential and he is just the person to unlock it. In a four-word tweet... This really burns their butts at Twitter because they're like, what, we were doing a great job. And, and uh, Musk is going, nah, now you're kind of sucking. It's kind of like CNN. CNN has lost 90% of their viewership and, uh, and they're getting all butthurt about the possibility of people getting fired and them actually pursuing journalism. It, there's a reason why they're doing that. It's because the network was failing. This morning, Musk sent the social media world into a frenzy and put the world on notice, saying, quote, I made an offer. The world's richest person is offering $54.20 per share in cash, representing a... He should have just thrown some lowball number out there, like, I'll give you 12 bucks. I'll give you 12 bucks. But no, he, he gave 54. 54% premium over the January 28th closing price and about a valuation of about $43 billion. The social media companies... Now, you listen, you don't spend $43 million or $43 billion uh, without knowing that you're going to make money on it. That's the way this guy is. He got to make money on it. And you're thinking that uh, Elon Musk, you know, I've been watching these documentaries on him about uh, space travel and what he's doing to revolutionize space travel and commercialize it. You know what the reason is? He won't make money on it. There you go. (laughs) He wants to make money on it. Right now, Twitter sucks. It doesn't make any money. Twitter never has really made any money. And it's controlled by a bunch of snotty little elite fops who graduated from Ivy League schools who hate free speech and consider words weapons when they're when they are conservatives and they're about to get the boot and they just hate it and i love it and i just love it 
one of my favorite callers, if not my favorite caller of all time. Barbara from Baltimore is on the phone. Hello, Barbara. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Oh, thanks for taking my call. I am so pumped up. I opened up your Instagram page. I'm looking at you there with the <laughs> president. I'm so proud of you. I would say you have arrived. <laughs> Barbara, this is the deal. You're in great name on that card there next to uh, where you were sitting. Barbara, I'm such a geek. I took a picture of my name tag on the card at my dinner place. <laughs> That's how, that's how, you know, small time I am. But you know what? I'm going to tell you, to be invited and go into Mar-a-Lago last night was such an honor. And to talk to the man and to thank Donald Trump for sending his condolences when my mother passed, to know that he would not, he meets so many people to do that. It meant so much to me. And then as I got to hear him speak and see him, yeah. I, 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 you know, I get it. I get it. But now I really super get it. I met him in Hagerstown at oh. a rally. Yes. He signed my book, and I had a few other items of his. He signed everything. The whole time he wow. was talking to me as if he knew me. I know. Very personable. Not very many people have the ability to do that. No. And to make you feel like when he left, he says, okay, I'll see you later. You know, and goes to the yeah. next person. You feel like you had a personal touch with him. It's, it's it's authentic. I, uh, yeah. I'm just so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I hope you have a great time while you're there. But I would just like to say this. Yeah. I'm so happy about Elon Musk. Yes. I, I, was, I always considered myself just a peon oh. in a big pool of big people with my little 5,800 followers that I've <laughs> built up over the years being on Twitter. Yeah. And I was banned. I've been, yeah. I got suspended like several times for things yeah. that I didn't think uh, I should have been suspended for. But this, I'm, this is how, um, how can I put it, micromanaged mm-hmm. that, that um, company is, that yeah. they would find someone as small as me to shadow ban and let me know that I said things that they didn't like and I had, like, you know, I could remove it and then I'd be on suspension. That is crazy stuff. That's yeah. not free speech, so. I'm no, Barbara, Barbara, and, 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 and listen, Barbara, as I mentioned, they don't have any, uh, there is no reason, there's no compelling reason legally for them to be a free speech zone. They're not, That's but, right. but they led us to believe they are. They got us you to invest. get money, Rob. Hey, listen, they want to take, they want your following. Don't get me wrong. They want your following. They just don't want you and they don't want your speech. That's the problem. Now, if they would have said that at the get-go, we are a liberal organization for liberals to come and express their liberal positions, then fine. But they made it very clear that they'll take anybody's money, but when push comes to shove, they'll take that money and they'll ban you if you're conservative. Things have changed since the Sony Walkman. Remember that back in the 80s and you'd put the headphones over your ears and you'd go out and you'd walk around everything and, you you know, the, the battery in your Walkman would last a couple hours. Well, now there are earbuds and lots and lots of them out there. Raycon wireless earbuds are exceptional. Why? Well, because they have a 32-hour battery life so you can listen to what you want, when you want for a really long time, like this podcast. Yeah. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up. Maybe you need something to kind of meditate, clear your head. Kids are making noise in the background. Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycon's come with a 45-day happiness guarantee. So you really can't lose. Give them a try, and you will see what I mean. I promise you. Check this out. Go to buyraycon.com newsmax and get 15% off your Raycon order. Okay? 
buyraycon.com slash Newsmax to save 15% on Raycons. Again, buyraycon.com slash Newsmax. You know, before we go any further, we should have a palate cleanser. What do you say? Because, you know, it's not very often, you, you know, it's never been that I've met a president before, but I did get to meet a president last night, and I've been a fan of Donald Trump's for, for a long time. So let's go ahead and play this. This goes out to Nancy Pelosi, crying Chuck Schumer, and all the other career politicians in the fake news. Sing it! Kick, 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 kick. Come on! Woke November 4th, they call President Joe. Joke. Fake news said yes, but we all knew no. no. But one year in and Biden's gone way left. His reign is based on lies and government theft. <laughs> what do we got to fight for, people? You've got to fight. For the right of the party, when you think about it, you've got to fight for the right of your party. And that is not Mitch McConnell, by the way, or Lindsey Graham. Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. Kicking them out is a no brainy <laughs> The stupid GOP needs to be reinvented. In Democrats' heads, I live freely rented. You've got to fight for the right of the party and the right that you have as Americans. Big, beautiful people, I have to say. You've got to fight. <laughs> I'll be back in the White House more sooner than later. Make it sooner. Please! Of all the presidents, there has been no one greater. I agree. Pelosi's going down and so's the miserable squad. We will end their tyranny, so help me God. Yeah. We've got to fight for the right of the party. Okay, we've got to fight so hard. Not the fight center. Like hell. Not the fight middle. like hell. Not the left. The right. When I am back in the White House, we party, okay? And we're going to party <laughs> like it's 2016. The Clinton campaign is going to be crying again. It's going to be great. Check with the Young Turks. It's going to be melting down. It's going to be a sight to see. Fantastic <laughs> things, believe me. Of the party. That is Sean Farish. I am Donald Trump and I approve this message. See you in 2024, if not sooner. Again, uh, yeah, Sean Farish is, uh, is that guy's name. He is uh, somebody I uh, I didn't discover. He was doing a Trump impersonation, and uh, and I went, well, this guy's really good. I saw him on Twitter. He was getting a few uh, likes and uh, and a few people checking it out, and then uh, we put him on the show, and uh, I remember one, one video he did. He doesn't look at all like Donald Trump, by the way. He just sounds exactly like him. Anyway, I want to do a little bit more on this. Frank James being uh, found at an East Village McDonald's. Uh, this is the guy who went into... The subway, and will we ever learn? I mean, you know, 
I have an expression that I use at the end of every TV and radio show, and it's don't catch the stupid. Because anybody who buys into six feet away from me with a deadly, deadly virus will save your life, but five feet you're dead. If you believed that, you caught the stupid. If you believe that a mask, a cloth mask, that would stop you against a deadly pandemic, supposedly the worst pandemic in the history of the world, almost as bad as the Black Plague, if you believe that a cloth mask would save your life, you caught the stupid. You caught the stupid. Well, apparently the Justice Department, the NYPD, certainly uh, Mayor Eric Adams caught the stupid years ago. Uh, you know, I don't even think an inoculation would have helped. But, uh, but he, he said, <laughs> he said, the mayor said, we did it, we got him. But really what happened was Frank James, the guy who did the shooting, uh, he was uh, spotted by a 21-year-old security worker, alerted police after James himself called the police And he said, I heard you are looking for me. Here is what Eric Adams said yesterday after the guy was arrested, and it doesn't resemble remotely a guy calling the police and saying, since you can't figure out how to catch me, I'm just going to tell you where I am. This was good old-fashioned police work of identifying... How the hell is it good old-fashioned police work if the guy has to call you to tell you I hear you're looking for me. I'm finding the van, finding the key, <laughs> or looking at the identification, piecing uh, together the various pieces of this puzzle. And I cannot thank. And while we were doing that, he wandered around for 24 hours and went to McDonald's and finally said, "Screw it, I'll just call the police." My first responders and my detectives <laughs> for the job that they carried out. Several of these videos mention you. You seem to be a recurring theme, and so too does the New York subway system, and so too is his state of mental health. Uh, they're, they're still sifting through the information, but let's be clear, yes. uh, we have a broken uh, mental health system of uh, decades in the making. And why haven't Democrats delivered on fixing it? I believe that Bill de Blasio said he was going to fix it. You see, this is what Democrats do. They promise they're going to do stuff, and they make all these big, you know, they, they, we're going to donate, all, we're going to do all this money. Well, we're going we're to use your money to pay for all these programs. Everything's going to be great. And then Election Day comes, and the next morning they get up and they leave some money on the dresser, and nothing gets fixed. Charles Mizrahi is the founder of Alpha Investor. He is a political financial advisor. He hosts a show called The Charles Mizrahi Show, and he knows a lot about finance. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Jen Psaki, earlier this week, uh, held a uh, press conference and basically told us to get ready for an unprecedented inflation event. Um, I was almost half expecting hyperinflation. We are looking at what uh, uh, consumer prices, about 8.5%. Do you think that the reason they got out in front of this is because, A, this is historical, and B, things are uh, probably going to get a lot worse? Well, I can't really speak too much to politics. I can just look at the facts, because politicians do things that confound the average person, and yes. politics is its own animal. Why they do things, uh, some many times have no reasons other uh, than, than basically power and, and exerting whatever influence they have. So I, I can't speak to that, but I can speak to the fact that we're in a situation here that uh, was created by... Uh, Terrible, terrible fiscal monetary policy by this administration. No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, we're here because um, that's where they were driving this thing. And by telling us inflation was transitory about last summertime, inflation didn't exist, uh, nothing to worry about. Uh, the Biden administration couldn't find a bill they, 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 uh, they wouldn't sign to throw more money at this, at, 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 into the system. 
And when you throw $1.9 trillion into a system, uh, an economy which is uh, recovering, while supply chain is having a problem, you're going to have inflation. And we're here because we're here. Yeah. Um, let me ask you uh, uh, this. With regard to uh, inflation, with regard to uh, the cost of living, do you see... Um do you see the recession on the horizon? A lot of people are talking about recession on the horizon, or maybe we're uh, like almost stepping in it right now. What do you think is going to happen? Do you suppose in the next six months with regard to inflation and and the Fed's response to it uh, with interest rates? What do you think is going to happen? All right, you asked a lot of good questions there. So let me tackle them one by yeah, one. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay. So the future, I, I I couldn't tell you, and I'd be I'd be guessing or, or just telling you what I. My crystal ball's been broke since the 1980s, so I didn't even look at that. <laughs> gotcha. let, let's just connect the dots. Let's just okay. connect the dots, what we have. We have the Fed trying to now get in front of inflation. Inflation is running, as you said, close to 9%, but that's probably that's a baloney number because oh, yes. ask anyone who fills up their car or, or, or lives in uh, you know lives where they have to eat <laughs> or energy, inflation did not go up 8 to 9%. You're looking at gas prices, energy prices up 40% plus, food prices much higher. So the Fed is behind the curve. They were denying inflation. Now they're faced with it staring right and right in the, right in the face, and they don't know how to corral it in. The only tool they really have to corral it in is raising interest rates. The question is, how much do you raise interest rates? You're raising too much, you slam the economy into recession. You don't raise them enough, the economy, the inflation runs away. So that's really where they're standing. That's the point that they're at now. And the track record really is terrible. Out of the yeah. 16 times they had a Titan, 13 of them t- those times put us into recession. So add that to an economy which is just trying to get back on its feet from a supply chain, tight labor market, and the fact that the Fed is so behind with interest rates really being negative in a sense because the money that you're making minus the inflation rate is what your real returns are. They're, they're I think, the worst they've been in since the 1980s. Yeah. Put all that together. That's where we are. How bad does it get? Boy, oh boy, that's a sixty-four thousand dollars question. But <laughs> yeah, if if, yeah. Um, if if this administration and fiscal politics to keep running, uh, they keep doing the same thing over and over, it's not getting uh, better. It's going to get worse. Now, you were most probably, I'm thinking, a kid towards the end of the uh, Carter administration. Uh, do you remember much about that? And do you see uh, welcome back Carter scenario? with regard to uh, the federal government's response to the, the problems with the economy right now? Do you see uh, history repeating itself? Well, you know, as Mark Twain said, it doesn't really repeat, it rhymes. And this is, this is pretty much rhyming. <laughs> uh, it's a little different, a little different than the 1970s. And yeah, I was a little more than just a little kid. Oh, <laughs> I, was, well, yeah. I was getting out of high school, but I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible because uh, prices continue to rise. And I do remember this as clear as day. Uh, helping my mom every Thursday night, she used to go shopping, and she used to come home uh, at around seven, eight o'clock. And each week, and I, I do remember this, each week uh, she would, you know, we'd bring in the bundles, and each week there were fewer and fewer bundles. And my father gave her the same money each and every week. So uh, I, I remember just asking, like, how come you don't have nine bundles? Last week you had, uh, you know, ten bundles or seven bundles. It kept getting smaller and smaller each week. And she goes, that's inflation. And I do remember that lesson. It didn't take more than that. And I do remember getting on gas lines, waiting for hours to get gas. Oh, yes. So the, the inflation was terrible, <clears throat> absolutely terrible. It just, it just sucks the lifeblood out of the purchase power of the dollar and destroys fortunes. 
Our yeah. inflation now is a bit different. Back in the 70s, you had a lot of COLA, a lot of COLA meaning cost of living adjustments, increases. So when the inflation went up, everybody and his mother-in-law got a raise. You know, it, it was in their contract, union contracts especially. So yeah. everyone kept moving up and up higher and higher together. Here, that's not the case. So it, it, we're in a better position now than we were in the 70s, but we're going to have to go through some pain before this it gets it is alleviated. It's no question about it. Something that I, I wanted to ask you about, because you're, you're more in touch with uh, the business world than I am, for years and years and years, the Democrat Party said they wanted 10-10. 10-10 was the wage they wanted, 10-10. That was literally like 10 years ago. They were like, we'll, if we get to $10.10 an hour, we'll be fine. And then it became $15 an hour. And I like to say the reason why they want $15 an hour is because that's when you get to the point where you can start affording union dues. And I believe that's to some degree. Um, I think that the $15 minimum wage has already been reached, and I think it's impacting a lot of smaller businesses because the larger employers like Target, like Walmart, they are literally starting people with zero experience at a minimum of $15 an hour. Is there any going back from a $15 average wage, and how do small businesses compete with that? The real minimum wage is zero, right? Yeah. As a, as a business owner, I don't have to hire you. Yeah. And if you tell me the minimum wage is $15 and I only have $30 to allocate uh, per hour to uh, three dishwashers, for example, three cooks or whatever it might be, yeah. one of you guys are getting fired. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> so minimum wage, you know, if you try to, if you think about what minimum wage is, it's really zero. Uh, yeah. So the marketplace is setting the minimum wage because what, what happens is a demand, a supply and demand. And now we're seeing, especially in New York, minimum wage doesn't mean anything. Companies are paying multiples of, of minimum wage yeah. simply because there aren't enough people willing to work or defining enough people to work. So, uh, so you, you don't need a minimum wage there. Uh, you're not hiring people at $15 an hour. You can't get anybody. Put a sign yeah. on your door for $15 an hour. You're not going to have anyone. So uh, minimum wage, is, this whole thing about minimum wage, really is not so much of a focus. The real focus is a, you, you have, I think, 64 65% of a business, any business, or the average business, rather, uh, expense is labor. That's a big, big nut. And when you have such a large percentage of expenses going to labor, you really have to watch uh, benefits. You really have to watch how much you're paying these people. You really have to watch what productivity you're getting. And you really have to watch how much it's costing to hire these people based on good times or bad times. So that really is, is what the focus uh, is, should be, is that you, we have such a tight labor market that there's 1.8 jobs for every one person. And forget about what the minimum wages in Washington, what they say they want, or wherever one thinks it. It's basically supply and demand. If you want someone to do something in today's market, you've got to pay them much more than minimum wage to get them to do it. In, uh, in I believe it's in California, there is a, a legislator who wants to introduce a 30-hour work week. Uh, what would you think if a 30-hour work week, and they're talking about for companies that employ more than 500 people, what is a 30-hour work week? Uh, what are your thoughts on a 30-hour work week, working fewer hours uh, with the promise that we're going to be just as productive? Is it possible or no? You know, you, it reminds me of, I remember the back of comic, comic book magazines. You used to have Charles Atlas, and you just send away, and, <laughs> and you get these exercises, and you can look like the big hokey guy by doing two or three minutes a day of exercise. We all yes. know that's not really true. Yes. <laughs> you know, you work less, you make less. You work, you work less, more productivity. 
I, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years, and if someone could find a way that I can do it with you know, less time and, and be more productive, I'm listening. But let's, let's be real. Uh, yeah. Anyone who's saying you could be more productive with, uh, with, with less hours, I never owned a business or ever really worked a day in their life for anyone other than the government. Maybe yeah. the government that works. Yeah. But it doesn't you know, work in, in the real world. And you get, you know, government, you work less and you, and, and you basically have less productivity. So they yeah. hire more people. But yeah. it, where does that, you know, America, I, I just, it just boggles my mind. I'm sorry to get on a soapbox for a moment here, but it boggles my mind how stupid they think the average person is. <laughs> and the average person feels like, oh, these yes. guys know more than I do. Yeah. And you really don't have to be a genius. You didn't have to go to, to, no. to Wharton Business School to figure out that there's inflation when the Fed didn't know it because you were filling up your car and you, keep saying, you kept saying every week the gas prices go up. All you had to do was go to the supermarket and see inflation. All you had to do was put a help, help wanted sign in front of your store or in front of your business and saw that nobody was coming. And you couldn't pay $10 an hour, $15, even $20 an hour. So, so you're trying to tell me here that 30-hour work week, you're going to be more productive. And I don't know, does this mean that I pay you for what, 40 hours? How do I pay you? Yeah, I guess. If you're working 25% less, what do I pay you? The same amount? Yeah, probably. I'm bad. Where, does, where does that work? Where does that work? Could you find yeah. some? Could you get me that job? I can't imagine it, and I, you know, I, I think it's ridiculous on the face of it. By the way, I did order the Atlas body in seven days when I was a kid. Didn't get the Atlas body. I also tried the sea monkeys. They're not. They're really not little naked people with crowns on their heads and X-ray vision goggles. Don't work. I thought you should know that. Yes, they're Brian Shrimp. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.